Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, this is Eric Estep. And I'm Scott Reevely. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back. Scott, how are you doing? I'm good. We, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about reading goals. I'm curious, we're, we're, this is the last week before the end of the year. Well, it's a couple weeks before when we record it, but this is, we're, it's we're coming to the very end. Let's just say your reading goal is an officially a sprint goal now. Oh, yes. Are but you, you going to make it? In January, it's line? a marathon goal. Now it's a sprint goal. <laughs> I think there's a chance. I, um, I've got enough books going, and if I finish the Bible like I'm planning and finish my devotional like I'm planning, I'm going to be right there. That's fantastic. I'm not going to have extra, but I might be right there. And I, this year, I have to admit, uh, we did just talk about a book that I listened to that you read, and uh, I, this is the first year that includes audiobooks in my list. So I did... Use oh, interesting. I, I always include audiobooks in my Yeah, books. well, I never have because I really haven't had a good way of getting the kind of books I want to read on audio because I sure. haven't paid for them. But anyway, so I've got some audiobooks, and nice. that gets me, that really helped me. I cranked through a lot of them when Marsh and Lane were out of town, mm-hmm. and that uh, was uh, going to make it, I think. How about you? I So after the election, I was definitely behind on the goal. Oh, I bet you were. That makes sense. Uh, but we're, I'm back to on track. I use Goodreads. So on track means if, what is it, okay. a week and a half or so mm-hmm. before the end. So I think we're going to make it, which is pretty exciting. I do use audiobooks. I mm-hmm. drive a lot for the other job. Right. So Which makes total sense. Then. There's always an audiobook going or way too many podcasts. But mm-hmm. I think we're going to make it, which is very exciting. All right. And this is the time of year where <clears throat> you finish the Bible, so you get a book there. And you finish the Advent devotional, so you get a book there. And there's all these Advent devotion <laughs> way too short. Hey, if you're making goals like me, you can't you can't discriminate on length. <laughs> you just sit down and churn through your kids. You know, no, no it's not a kid, kid devotional. Books. It's not a kid devotional. I have not included you. children's books. Really? Because <clears throat> Doctor Seuss, you can crank on Doctor Seuss. <laughs> I, I I do have on my Goodreads right now. If you were my friend on Goodreads, you would see that volume number one of the Calvin and Hobbes hardcover edition is on my Goodreads, but it's like 500 pages long. I'm just going to say, <laughs> people, you can discount whatever reading goals Eric may have for uh, comic books. I love anyway. it. I, yeah, you should look at that edition. It's fantastic. I've showed you that Yeah, edition. I've it's seen so it. Good. No, it it's is so good. good. And it is big. And it would take a long time to get through that. I will give you that. Yeah, I've been reading it for like a year and a half. Yes, but it's fun. So. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Um, we oh mentioned dear. last week that we are going through some Pew research that uh, is kind of going through key findings of 2022, some interesting nuggets of information from the last year. Um, and we talked through mostly news style ones or bias in news uh, last time, and we talked through that. Uh, but this week we're going to grab some others. So which ones did you find interesting, Scott? All right. Well, last, like Eric said, last week we we pulled out the ones related to news and news consumption, and there were 15. The article was 15 striking findings from 2022. And so I'm just going to be upfront about this. 
Uh, I pulled out eight from there and one from another source, which means I left some out, which means I'm biased. There you go, <laughs> from last week. I just wanted you to know that. That's and exactly what that means. We're going yeah. to admit that. Yeah. So that's only fair. We left some out. And uh, we're probably going to go through some of these kind of quickly because they were some were interesting and some were surprising. And, um, you know, we, we were laughing about getting news from TikTok last week. But in the United States, here's item number one. United States social media is seen as a bad thing by 64% of the people surveyed. Uh, the average in the 19 countries that they surveyed, uh, 34% of people thought that social media was harmful. And in the United States, it's 64, which is a big difference mm. from the United States to the rest of the world. So I was trying to think, why would that be? And uh, some of it might be that actually social media has a worse effect here than it does elsewhere in the world. But it might not either. I don't know social media mm -hmm. in other countries. Uh, might be that we have different expectations for our social media or um, that sort of thing here than we they do elsewhere. But anyway, I just thought that was interesting that now almost two out of three people in the United States consider social media to be harmful. And so it's not really news that you're hearing here. <laughs> it's just true. <laughs> I must be, wow. I must be two. <laughs> he might be biased. I might be biased. <laughs> Um, what, one of the things I thought when I read this is uh, social media can be a tool towards democracy. And if I'm living in a country that is more autocratic or more towards tyranny on the spectrum of, of government, if I have access to social media, I can, things can be pushed more towards democracy in that it can be a tool to that in that regard. And that could be seen as a good um, if if say, access to social media in Russia or China, that's limited in mm -hmm. most of the time because it's, it's such a tool. Um, and I was thinking about that. So that, that could be a reason why it's good. And then we have democracy here fairly, not, not completely unfettered, but on the spectrum, we're more unfettered than not. Mm -hmm. And it almost seems, seems like we're, we're, it's diminishing returns. Like we already have the thing it could be good for. And so now it's it's just like cramming on sugar instead of eating. Well, good I think things. I think more, I think more than that. I think there's a danger that is driving people the other way. You know that there is this uh, influence uh, away from democracy, away from um, you know freedom of speech, those sorts of things. So anyway, that's um, <clears throat> might be one of the things that one of the reasons that uh, two out of three people think it's harmful. Mm. And, and I would add, so that's a national perspective yeah. um, or speculation on my part. Uh, I would add from a personal perspective, uh, if two out of three Americans think social media might be a bad thing, it's at least worth pondering how much time do I spend on social media? How do I interact with social media? This is probably the most repeated thing on this podcast, but uh, consider how you intake social media and, and think about it. Um, if you do most of your stuff on your phone, if you have an iPhone or some or Android or whatever, I think they have it on Android, but just go to your screen time. It'll tell you how much time you spend on your social media apps and maybe just do that and, and be accordingly appalled. Uh, I did that several years ago and went, oh, that's how much time I spend on those apps. That That's not a good use of my time. And then adjust it accordingly. Uh, you may want to make some changes if you knew, if you knew how well, much time was spent. And I probably need to just stop right here though and say, 
you know, podcast, particularly City on a Hill, is not social media. Not. So, so don't <laughs> even consider not listening or anything like that. So, anyway, that's it. wow. Just in case, just, just in, in case. case you were tipping that direction, I thought I would mention that's that. So funny. Okay. What What else? Number two, um, and we mentioned this last week, so I won't spend much time on it. But growing shares of both Republicans and Democrats see the other side as immoral, as more immoral, dishonest, and close-minded than other Americans. And uh, the chief thing about that is that um, those numbers are growing and those numbers are substantial. I mean, how substantial? Like 83% mm. uh, of one party uh, consider the other party closed-minded. 72% of one party consider the other dishonest or immoral. 72% or, or 62% think they're lazy. Now, I think that's hilarious because <laughs> lazy so has funny. nothing to do with this, right? But but you know what? Those guys are just That's lazy. That's not even a news item. I know. It has nothing to... Now, it, the next one's 52%. More than half think the other side is unintelligent. Now, I think that number might be higher. And the lazy number, though, that's just That's like, so do you think they're purple? I don't know. It's just a crazy thing. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I thought that was... Uh, you just need to... We just want to highlight mm. that there's a danger that uh, we characterize people when we don't know them and... Mm. Uh, we assume things that are untrue about people because maybe some other news source or somebody tells us we should think that way mm. rather than um, listening and being a little more careful. So, And the thing that came to mind for this item for me is I, I just wish more people would not identify as being a party member. Um, you can be a party member. You can agree with... Um, with the general policies of one side or the other, but to go, my identity is mm. as a Republican or a Democrat or an independent or a libertarian or a green party or progressive party or a working families party or whatever. Um, man, that's such a small canister to put your identity mm. in. And I would highly recommend not putting your identity there. Um, and that's someone who ran, right. ran yeah. for office. And people would ask me at the door, like, what are you? which I knew they meant, what are you running? Like, how are you uh, registered? And I would say, I'm running as, mm. uh, rather than I am a. Oh, interesting. And, I, um, and I, I made a point of that because my identity is not wrapped up in that's whatever party I'm a part of. That's a good word. That's a good word. Yeah, thank you. Of, so. mm, that's really good. Uh, speaking of identity, uh, number three, nearly half of teenagers say they use the internet almost all the time. Now, the th there are a couple things interesting about this. Number one, that it's a self-identification. In other words, it isn't looking at screen time saying, you use this almost all the time. Right. Like, right. it's not something a parent would say about their kid. Right. It's the, the, the young person themselves say, you know, I use it almost all the time, mm. which is to be self-aware uh, that you're on the Internet that much is very interesting. Yeah. So uh, those of you who are raising teenagers, um, beware, yeah. Well, and, yeah, half of teenagers are saying that. I don't know what you would, listener, I don't know how many teenagers are listening to this, but um, regardless of your age, what would you say for yourself? And if you're a teenager or have teenagers, um, one, do, do this well. <laughs> if, if you're on the Internet all the time, ch change it, do the screen time thing, whatever. Um, there's a couple of books I've read in regards to some of the screen stuff. Uh, TechWise Family is super helpful from a parenting perspective, but also just a how do I engage technology perspective. And then Habits of the Household is also good for just developing um, rhythms on the technology side. 
and would highly recommend those books. Those are helpful books. And just encourage you to, um, if you have kids, diligently disciple good use of those tools. And that's going to start first by you using those tools well. Um, and I'm not saying that as someone who necessarily uses those tools well, but someone who wants to use those tools well and knows that it is, it's constant. If you, if you do nothing, uh, technology, internet, screens will just be an overwhelming tide that will just really take over any bit of margin you give it and, and control the way you think about things. So be aware that you have to really, if, if you do nothing, you will spend almost all time on the internet. That, that's what's going to happen. Um, so I would encourage you to, to think differently about that and uh, d- definitely disciple your kids. And, and it's never too young, never too early to start discipling towards that stuff. Never too late. Never too late. Yep. <coughs> Do something today. Yep. Um, number four, Americans are more widely divided about the Supreme Court than they have ever been. Um, there is a 45-point spread between those who disapprove of the Supreme Court and those who approve, which I thought uh, uh was interesting that those who are Republican and lean Republican, uh, 73% have a favorable opinion of the court. Those who are Democratic and lean Democratic, 28% have a uh, favorable opinion, which is a 45 point spread between um, <coughs> parties and their view of the Supreme Court. So, anyway, that's just a kind of a, something to, to note that, that it probably was the. Um, the Dobbs decision this summer that mm-hmm. really was a flashpoint. Yeah, th- this may sit, say more about the Dobbs decision than it says about anything else. Um, I was looking at the graph that they had associated with the number eight, or yeah, on the on the article, and it the the years get a little fuzzy because I'm not exactly sure where that down downward trend happens. But it looks like early early 22 into 21, something like that, where that dispersion begins. And I, I think that does say a lot about um, a lot about the Dobbs decision. And one of the things that I would hope, um, I think the Supreme Court has been highly notable because of things like Roe versus Wade and just the constant emphasis on the Supreme Court. And may, maybe it's a, a a whimsical hope or just a really not possible at all. But my hope would be that now after Dobbs decision, um, Supreme Court can just kind of be in the be in the back not the backwater but the um, just on the wings and just doing what the Supreme Court does without having to be the center of attention. Um, I I don't know that that'll happen. Well, but and I don't know that they set out to be the center of attention. But I think no, what I don't happened. Think they did either. I think what happened. Some of what happened is related to the other news item, where the people in the other on the other camp are viewed as lazy, ignorant, unintelligent, all those things, because these were all covered by the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, cable news situations that inflamed those things, those opinions about other people. They also inflamed those same opinions about the Supreme Court. Right. And that's probably why we have such a big spread there, which right. is kind of interesting. So it's related. I'm pretty sure it's related. We can all hope and demand that Congress does their does its job, and then it doesn't put as much pressure on the Supreme Court. That, that well, That's the wonky answer right yeah, there. They're, they're working on it. Yeah. Um, Speaking of which, um, related to that, and here's the next one that we're going to pick up, is that relatively few Americans take an absolutist view of the legality of abortion, either supporting or opposing it at all times, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. There, there were 
they had a, essentially a pie chart that they sliced eight different ways. Mm-hmm. And the two smallest slices of the pie, I think, and I'm, there might be another small slice in there somewhere, were the most absolutist, always good or always bad. Mm-hmm. And the rest were like more nuanced, which was, uh, I thought, kind of interesting. And I think one of the things that we all need to kind of read and be awake to and pay attention to because um, the either or, all or nothing uh, kind of situation is going to be, it might be a real difficult one Mm. to move forward with. And it's also helpful to know, I think if you're sitting in the um, opposing side and saying, hey, this is something we don't, we, we, don't, we don't like abortion, we don't want abortion around anymore, and you're, you're looking at the opposing side saying that their view is that it should, should always be supported at all times, this, this is helpful in knowing that that's not true. That's true, um, yeah. And so if I'm engaging someone, and I've, I've had conversations with people and maybe assumed oh, they're, they're, they think it should be legal and good all the time, and then you get into a conversation and go, oh, actually, that's not true. And actually, okay, this is, I didn't expect this conversation. And I think this, you should be reminded that more likely than not, it's going to be something in the, in the messy middle, uh, something more gray. And not gray, that's not the right way to describe that. But um, it, that should give you encouragement to maybe engage conversations. You may have more in common than you right. think. Right. Good. And there's a, um, a Notre Dame study about views on abortion that is that I've heard referenced several times, but one of the most notable takeaways from it, and we can put the link in the show notes, is that uh, it was this really large study with a lot of uh, participants, and none of the Americans um, surveyed viewed abortion, even if they were a supporter of abortion, viewed abortion as a desirable good. Mm, and right. that's notable. Um, so, so know that going into a conversation, this isn't, hey, this is a good I want to keep. Like, no, it's something for people going, I don't, I don't really like this, but, and it, you have that whole pie chart thing. So I think this inc- should encourage engagement, not discourage it. And we'll have, we'll have a link to the Pew study itself so you can, or the Pew summary here, so mm-hmm. you can look at the pie chart and not just take our word for it too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just graphs all <laughs> over the place. You guys want to read graphs. Like kind of crazy. Yeah. One, um, simple graph and not turning uh, to the next thing is a bit there is a big increase in the number of americans who see russia as an enemy at but the beginning of the year before the ukraine uh invasion was 41 percent. now 70 percent of americans view uh russia as an enemy that's a big swing in the year mm-hmm. and just reminds me of the cold war basically mm. I, I mean i grew up i i grew up with this and oh, so sure. yeah it's really uh kind of a uh, eye-opener for me to think are we really back there so interesting anyway that's why i that's why i highlighted it i guess so the uh the next one is um if and this is this i think well tell you what i'm going to go out of order just a little bit um today roughly four in ten americans 41 percent say none of their purchases in a typical week typical week are uh, paid for using cash. I can completely relate to this. <coughs> yeah. So much so. <laughs> really? Are you so, in the top, are you in no, the top 40%? So yesterday, uh, I was, I was on the way home and Leslie asked me to stop for, uh, to purchase a small Christmas gift. And I parked and the, the parking spot had one of the coin, the coin parking meters. Uh Oh, 
and I'm looking around for the app so that I can do the parking meet with the app, and there was no app. I'm like, how do people park down here? I don't have a quarter. It's amazing. I was looking around my car for change. I ended up having to move the car somewhere else because I couldn't find any change. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just pull it up on the sidewalk. That'll work. They don't charge for that. They don't charge on the sidewalk. Yeah. But anyway, that, that, that's just an interesting thing that I thought was worth knowing is that four out of 10 don't use cash ever. That's, yeah. Um, yeah. Then and I'm sure that's only going to grow. It has been growing yeah. big time. Yeah. yeah. Um, then uh, the next one, if trends, recent trends continue, Christians can make up a minority of Americans by 2070. Which is, uh, and it's probably not just talking evangelical Christians. It's not talking, um, it's be broad, you know, broadly categorized. Yes, mm-hmm. th- this is like every Christian, every mm-hmm. variety of Christian could be in the minority by 2070, and that's that's a big change. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think that's interesting, and that's related to something that I pulled from the Gallup, um, uh, a recent Gallup poll too, which is. Um, we'll put on there. And it says that um, over the past six years, the rise of the nuns or the people who have no religious affiliation have stabilized around 20 to 21 of American percent of Americans um, say that they don't have any formal religious identity. And, you know, I, I put the, I wanted to have those two out there. One is like, oh no, the sky's falling. They're going to be a minority by 2070. And then the other one suggests that some of the fall has already happened and it's leveling out, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. So two different research organizations with uh, two slightly different takes on it. So should that, um, you said the sky, so by 2070, minority of Americans will be Christians. Uh, should that be a sky is falling? Should that be my response to that? Well, Fact, I, factoid. I was just thinking about how old I'm going to be in 2070. So I don't know how far this guy's going to fall for oh me. It's like, goodness. I'm not really too worried about <laughs> it. So whatever. Oh, Actually, it, you know why? It's probably I will pass away by then. Y- yeah. And, and I'm going to contribute to this. Test. There's no, there's no prob- probability there. You're not going to be around in 2070. Oh, dear. I'm going to be old in 2070. Yeah. It'll be incredible. So what are your thoughts? What are my thoughts? <laughs> As an old man, you're going to be sit there, and what are you going to do? Um, I'm, I'm kind of having a, a Jocko moment where my response is just, good. Um, I don't know if you've heard that mm-hmm. podcast at all, but he responds to, to, to difficulty to or adversity. suffering. Yeah, yeah good. Um, and, and one of the reasons I think that is uh, I think we have a false assumption about our prominence and status here in the first place. And if we are a minority here, I think we will more easily be able to sit in the posture that we should have been in the entire time. Um, We are exiles living in Babylon. And when we were potentially the quote unquote majority, and if you make a really broad, broad categorization of Christians, um, maybe that was, maybe that's true. Um, But it makes it a lot harder to live the way you ought to live when you're going, oh yeah, we're, we're, we kind of throw our weight around here and we're the majority here. And which is not really true in rea- in, in, in practicalities that that's not how that works, but um, we're exiles in Babylon and we ought to live like exiles in Babylon. And if we're the minority, it's going to be a lot easier to feel that way and to think that way and to be um, 
uh, encouraged to have that be your posture. And it's going to be several years before that's the case, but we can practice now. Well, it's going to be hard for the church to adjust. And, no but, doubt. But that adjustment has been really the historical position mm-hmm. of the church, and the church thrives when it's in that position. So mm-hmm. um, it doesn't stress me out even though I'll be dead. And there's this isn't saying um, we're going to be embattled. This doesn't. This is just minority. All it, there's there's less number. It right. doesn't mean uh, suffering American church. It doesn't mean um, I'm losing my words for uh, persecuted. Per, yeah, this yeah. doesn't mean persecuted church. It doesn't mean any of those things. It just means there's less of you guys around, and maybe we can be a little bit more humble in the way we think about. Uh, our, our posture here and yeah. our, our engagement. And I, I would love for the church in general, if you talk to someone um, who, who says, I'm a Christian, I belong to Jesus, I'm waiting for him and his, his, his kingdom to um, return, new heavens, new earth, uh, and you ask them, hey, how, how do you consider yourself? And they say, I am an exiled ambassador. I am waiting for the kingdom, but I'm an ambassador of the kingdom, and that's how I sit here. Um, we're not culture fighters trying to um, exert power to make things happen, and we're not just nice, ignorable people who don't really um, do, do anything notable. We're not in the middle, but we're, um, we're making principled proclamations towards the kingdom that is in contrast to the one we're sitting in. And... I would, I would just love it if that was just the given, uh, given identification of people. I got a fair, I just listened to a podcast episode uh, on Truth Over Tribe podcast, which was pretty helpful, and they talked a bit about that, and they just referenced Daniel again and his posture. He was literally in the government in Babylon um, and had some red lines that he wouldn't cross. Uh, you can't pray to God anymore. Nope, not going to do that. And then he ends up in the lion's den. So there's some, there's some things he was principled on and would... Um, uh, wouldn't budge on, which would make him a little bit annoying, but uh, he wasn't necessarily a culture warrior trying to pull in the kingdom and make Babylon the kingdom, um, make Babylon the the city of God or the country of God. So, so that's kind of my response. I that seems like it would be more in line with with how we ought to be living in this world. Yeah, and I I would say about the other one too where the the rise of the nuns has you know decreased they're not rising habits. anymore <laughs> is is you know there's 20 or um 21 percent of americans in the past co- well really over the past six years mm-hmm. it's stabilized so that's a pr- fairly long um time frame and th- that is just you know one of the things we do is we we look at both of these together and say we're so embattled the church is just under such siege. It's just so horrible. You know what? It isn't so horrible. Mm-hmm. And things have stabilized partly because the way the culture is, people can say they're nuns now where they mm-hmm. were under pressure or compulsion to say sure. otherwise before. And so it's okay. And you know what? Nothing's really changed. Right. And, but but we read it and we just think, oh, the sky's falling and it's terrible. And you know what? It isn't. And we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't right. know if 2070 is going to be you know, it's going to be this persecuted minority or 2070 could be a lot like it is today. Mm-hmm. We don't know. And so these are just interesting news things that we'll right. have in the show notes and you can think about them, but we, we want you to think about it. That's, right. I think the thing we want to talk about it. We want to bring it up. We want to have you realize that, uh, 
they're representing Jesus in this world mm-hmm. is a complicated matter, and mm-hmm. it's but it's a matter of uh, first importance. And so we want to um, think about how we spend our cash. We want to think about mm-hmm. uh, how people identify religiously or how they see the Supreme Court or how they decide about um, pro-life. You know, those kind of things are important as you represent Jesus. And so mm-hmm. anyway, we just wanted you to have access to this and think about it and Hopefully, you'll have some good ideas, too. Chad, one more thing. Sure. Uh, thinking about maybe there's a, a studying off of, of nuns and all that, and you're talking about coerced identification as Christian, or at least social pressure. Right. Um, one of the things social pressure about identifying as Christian doesn't do is make more Christians. It makes people identify as Christian, but doesn't necessarily make more Christians. And I would encourage you, listener, if you're thinking about how do I engage, okay, there, there's less familiarity with Christianity, there's less assumptions, um, Christian assumptions in society, all those things, that's not a reason to be scared. That's um, maybe a reason to do some more work. And maybe you say, hey, do you, do you know what the gospel is? And people say, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's not something to be scared about. That's probably something to be excited about. Because if, I don't know if you've shared uh, the gospel with someone who knows and has a bunch of assumptions about it compared to someone who's never heard of, heard of it before, it's way more fun interacting in the latter case. And I would encourage you, it's going to be a little bit more work. You're going to have to explain things you wouldn't think you'd have to explain or tell some stories you're not used to telling. But man, that's a good spot to be. And I'd encourage you to just love some friends and tell them about the gospel, tell them about the kingdom. They may have no idea what you're talking about, but that's why you are the messenger. And there's good news there. Um, so I just want to add that. Good. That's we a good final word. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's it for today. Uh, and... I guess for the year, we're, we're gonna, we'll get back into it, but I uh, hope the, the holiday season has been good and, and jumping into the new year will be good as well. Um, I, I want to echo the song we always sing uh, every New Year's, All Glory Be to Christ, um, and would remind you to do, hope you can do the same. Hope that's your prayer as well. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us. If you find what you're doing helpful, uh, send it a review or rate us um, or send it to your friends. That's always a great way. Uh, to get our word out there. And if you do have questions, send them to comment at City on a Hill podcast. We can use those in future episodes or help inform future episodes or the way we talk about things. So thanks for listening, and we look forward to the next conversation.